da 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 You sound insane. Do you realize that? Oh, yeah. The whole world got crazy. Seriously? It's showtime. Two out of the three of us were brave enough to see us this weekend. One out of the three of us was at home watching This Is Us this weekend. And uh, guess which one of us it was? Was it Brian or Richard? It was Brian. Richard, what up? It's your boy. It's your boy. Arby. Yeah, no, yeah. I, lo- I, li- I like these. This, is a- this was one of my most anticipated for the, uh, for the year, so. It certainly you was. Know, I wasn't going to miss this. I wasn't going to let a little fear, you know, spook me away. <laughs> right. You let the love of film carry you through, right? Not the fear of nightmares. Mostly the love of popcorn. That too. And Mr. Pibb. But you can only get at movie theaters these days, by the way. Um, (laughs) I live exclusively off the Never trust a guy who orders a Mr. Pibb. I've learned that. Um, (laughs) Sorry to Mr. He got his MBA, though, so... Yeah. And he's project manager certified now, so it's Mr. Pibb, PMPMC, MBA. Yeah. So just FYI on the title update. He didn't go to eight years of school for nothing. Um, Yeah. I mean, he may not be a medical doctor, but in, <laughs> in this day and age, you know, with the amount of student debt and the way healthcare has been consolidated, it's real. Doctor Pepper is actually yeah. struggling more than Mister Pib PMP MBA. I mean, when, in in the climate we're in, and in, in reboots and sequels, how have they not mm-hmm. made a Mister Pib v Doctor Pepper movie in response to Batman v Superman? <laughs> I don't know. That seemed inevitable. Um, it, yeah, the battle. Well, I could always count on. For. You, Richard, to mm. review these horror movies with me. I think yeah. uh, the only horror movies we've done on the show have uh, been you and I talking about them. Sure. And so... Um, Brian did an M. Night Shyamalan Shami- Shami- one time. He did... Uh, what was the one? Was The Visit? Wasn't Brian on The Visit? I think that he, what it was called? I think the he Little saw, Kiddos? Uh, Overlord, maybe? And that All was, right. like, pretty horror-intensive. So uh, yeah. it's uh, pretty... Uh, incredible to me that he could get through Overlord and couldn't get through uh, us. But nonetheless, Richard and I are here uh, to mm. carry the torch. And uh, we're going to hear from Jordan Peele about uh, the making of us. Plenty of stuff to talk about. Twists, turns, spoilers, definitely spoilers ahead. We suggest that if you have not seen us, to give us a pause, go see the movie, and come back and listen to us. Because we're going to be talking about everything tonight. Um, it might be hard to talk about this one in general terms for more than two and a half minutes. So we're going to be getting a lot into yep. spoilers, talk, uh, hearing from Jordan Peele about the making of the movie, things like that. And so uh, we do suggest having seen the movie before listening to the review. Um, and a, a guest will join us for that a little bit later. Um, I want to say thank you and shout out to the VIPs. Um, we're going to be talking about us, as in us, uh, later in our AMA in the VIP, uh, our AMA, ask us anything, ask me anything. Our VIP submitted questions. We're going to answer those in a special exclusive episode following this episode. So that'll drop this week. And we're also talking, I love you, man. 10 mm-hmm. years since Paul Rudd's and Jason Siegel's classic dude, bro, rom-com or dude, com or whatever you want to call it. Dude version of rom-com. Um, bromance. I love you, man. Bromance. There you go. And, you um, 
And we're going to break that down. So that was that was voted on by the VIPs as well. They picked that, and we're going to review that as well. So good times to be a VIP. To be a VIP, if you want more episodes from us, that's madaboutmoviespodcast.com slash VIP. So thank you to those people. Well, it was a big day, Richard, um, in the movie world. Yeah. Outside of of us dominating the box office, which we'll get to uh, those specific numbers and kind of the weekend uh, wrap up uh, closer to our review. But this was a big uh, historic day in kind of the industry of of movies, movie releasing, um, and technology. You're you're a, a technology guy. You've worked for different uh, technology companies along the way, so I'm interested to have your input on kind of the industry side of things. But a big day for Apple out in California at the Steve Jobs Theater. They officially unveiled their Apple TV Plus service, uh, among other things. They they announced a couple other things for the iPhone. And things like that that I'm sure we'll all use, but what pertains to this uh, show is Apple TV Plus. And we had talked about some rumors of this, um, you know, some casting announcements, things like that for Apple TV Plus, but we didn't really have any kind of clear picture on what they were going to go mm-hmm. for. But now we have that, and uh, we have a full presentation from Apple in, in Apple's signature style. Um, keynote uh, speech earlier today announcing this thing and they've they've officially kind of entered the game of, of origi- original content uh, along with Netflix and and Hulu and of course Amazon and uh, of course Freeform that's where I <laughs> the, app, the only I mean, thing I watch is Freeform, Freeform all access yeah. I mean there are people that just watch the network you know on their cable I feel bad for those people so, bad, yeah, but the honestly. freeform all access is going right. to give you the content. Yeah. I mean, it's just a lot more. Like maybe you'll get, you know, when you look at compare, you look at CBS all access and you'll see, yeah, I'm going to get the Jordan Peele show or like, you know, Star Trek. Star Trek and things like that that are exclusive. But the freeform all access is, is 10 times that, the amount of premium content you get. And it's only twice as much as CBS all access, which is, <laughs> I think, is a pretty good deal. Twice so, as month, but it's where they get you though is it's a weekly fee, not annual, <laughs> I mean, not monthly. So you're paying, yeah, you're paying it's actually thirty dollars a week, six bucks yeah. a month. Yeah, <laughs> but it's worth it to have all seven seasons of the Watsons. Or, well, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah it's no, well for sure. Um, okay, uh, Pretty Little Liars right. with cast commentary. I, I could like, not name a show on Freeform. I, I believe it or not, um, as much as I talk about Freeform on the podcast. Um, so I want to go down this list, Richard, and, and yeah. kind of talk about all these shows, the announcement. Uh, I did yeah. get to watch a little bit of it live. Um, I caught the part where they were actually doing the TV part. So um, I want to talk about kind of the spectacle of everything, too, and, and the PR sure. uh, aspect of this. But um, to start things Let's, off. Can we talk about the overall thing first before we go into the shows? Yeah, exactly. That's what overall. I want to I want to okay. talk about, kind of the platform and, and how we see it kind of playing out and what their strategy is. Do we think it's too late? I saw that um, their stock actually plummeted a little bit by 2% yeah. um, after the announcement. You would think it would um, it would increase, but meanwhile, some competitor stocks um, did raise, such as Roku. But uh, there are a few kind of announcements that were bigger than the Apple TV Plus original content announcements, and it's kind of more along the lines of what they're doing with the platform so do you want to talk a little bit about that? What's your thought about Apple TV yeah. as a platform? Do you have one? Will you buy one? Yeah. Uh, that sort of thing. So the actual hardware and then software with it. Right. I have an old one. And then for some reason, we bought a Roku um, for like one room. And then when we got rid of cable, it was just easier just to throw 
$50 Roku's in every room to stream, you know, direct TV now and Netflix and stuff. So we have Roku's through the house. Um, and which are great and they're cheap and easy to install and awesome. I, I love the, I have the old Apple TV that I'll bust out sometimes when I want to like, uh, throw my laptop up on a TV easily and it has the old interface and it's, you know, dated and it was a really cool idea, but the new Apple TV is a great, I mean, it's a beautiful, um, user experience. I'll definitely, definitely over Roku on that, on that level. Um, but I think, well, you know, this isn't device exclusive though, right? Isn't this going to be streamable on other, right? That's, that's kind of the, uh, the under the hood announcement of it that I wanted to talk about was they, they announced that the Apple TV, they're actually, it's going to be a standalone app. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, instead of its own, instead of the, the box being Apple TV, they're, they're, they've branched it off to be an app to where you can download it on Roku. You can download it on your smart TV. Sure. And that's and the so only forth. way to do it. I think yeah. with con- if you're doing premium, if you're putting as much money into content, you've got to have a wide, cause Roku does have a huge market share. So does Amazon fire stick. So do Chromecast, I think is probably the least of the ones, but they have a big, uh, you know, market share out there. And you, if you're spending hundreds of millions, billions of dollars on content, you don't want to just have, Apple TV users because they don't have quite the market share that it, that they do with phones. Whereas with phones, they can be a little more exclusive because whatever the number is now is still a, a dominant amount of people or a, a substantial amount of people. Um, so I, that's why I'll, you know, the Roku stock now goes up because now there's another premium streaming, uh, platform that you can integrate with that hardware. So that that's cool for them, I guess. Um, I hate the name. I think Apple TV Plus is a terrible name. And I think if you're going to, it's A, because it's stupid looking, but also because if it is an independent app that's separate, that can be run on other things called Apple, that are not Apple TV, then don't name it Apple TV Plus. Call it, you know, whatever. Um, just come up pix- Pixel or some, you know, some stupid. Right, don't confuse thing. it with the hardware yeah. of Apple TV. Right, right. exactly. It's, it's yeah, maybe they, and, maybe they. It's just a bad name change the hardware name at some point. Yeah, you know? maybe. Yeah, this seems more like what Apple TV... Yeah, you're well, right. Especially with Disney Plus today, and ESPN Plus, you'd think they would, like, yeah. try to yeah. differentiate maybe. themselves in some way, you know? Totally. I don't know. Or just Apple Plus would even be better. Just get rid of the TV part. There's a lot of... I don't know. Just my dumb marketing brain would... I just think that looks stupid. But, um, but yeah, if you could integrate it with Disney Plus and... And ESPN Plus, like you said, that's that that's a little more interesting. Um, so the, uh, under all under that kind of uh, thing, I don't know. It's 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 a bizarre one. But speaking, but other than that, the content looks really interesting. There's so much money to be had. What's the I, the one thing I didn't see? I've been kind of under it the last few weeks. What's the what is it? Ten dollars a month? What's the monthly? They have not announced it yet. Oh, okay. so there's a. I think this is part of the reason that the stock actually took a dive was because there was so much buildup for almost no answers. They're like, it'll be debuting this fall. No price, no, no uh, confirmation of what shows were going to be when, how long the shows were going to be, if they were going to premiere, you know, okay. All at once or episode by episode or weekly or how they're like, no one knows anything. And I guess to a certain extent that that's a good thing to keep it a little bit mysterious, but also, if they're There's at all trying to compete it. with Netflix and Amazon in this game, who are pulling in Oscars and yeah. Emmys, let's face it, at will, um, 
they've got to be promoting the heck out of this and fast and cheap. Um, if they want to have really good production and, you know, studio people. Oh, oh, right. They, they've, it seems like they have the, I don't know, the, the public facing side of this figured out in terms of hiring people that are going to attract, um, you know, viewers, watchers, um, people, subscribers. Um, but if the shows aren't good, that's going to take a hit. Um, what's really going to determine all this is if the show is good and people are talking about it, that's what's ultimately going to get people to watch this service. Um, there's been a rumor that these shows would all be free and that this is just a way for people to download, to get people to download the app and to integrate all their other apps into it. Because this, this app that they're launching Apple TV is is supposed mm-hmm. to integrate all your other ch- your standalone channels, your HBO Goes and your Netflixes or whatever into yeah. one place, and along with Apple's content, and so you don't have to go to fifty different apps to watch everything. And so they're so, basically saying, okay, Netflix is the Netflix and HBO are the the modern versions of let's say HBO and ABC and NBC, and we're trying right. to be more Time Warner with exactly our with with those okay. with with all of those on demand services being the yeah. channels, and so they've actually launched. It's called Apple TV Channels that they're going to launch, and you can subscribe to HBO Go through Apple TV. Um, HBO gets a cut of that, obviously, but both parties win at that point. You know, Apple gets a cut, HBO gets a cut, and everybody's yeah. happy. Amazon Prime has that too, right? right? Amazon's had that. Hulu has that. Um, yeah, no, that's uh, that's certainly interesting. I mean, it's it's a strategy piece of how much are they willing to play ball? Because the more you cut that pie up, um, the less people make. I could totally see Netflix just being like, "We're Netflix. You know, we're the Apple of this." little segment and we're not integrating with your app. Sorry. Right. Like, we're not going to let people. I've seen HBO yeah. is already committed to. Um, yeah. HBO, I mean, cause HBO is trying to, comp- trying to compete with Netflix more, mm-hmm. but I'm just saying a, a leader, uh, why would they help someone who's competing in the original right. content of your Netflix? Well, that makes sense. Uh, but at the same time, why does, why does Apple offer Netflix on their app store? You know, <laughs> I mean, I guess there's laws to prevent that, but, um, you know, yeah. and they're just kind of boxed in at that point. Yeah, because you know that they're new to this content world, whereas before they were provided. they didn't I, for yeah. a while. But now, as Apple didn't allow the that, uh, the Amazon yeah. store into the App Store, sure. the Amazon right. Prime thing, because it was a direct competitor to the to their App Store. But um, right, it's only things that beat them to the punch. For example, like Spotify stays in because they they were before Apple Music, or you know, mm-hmm. um, it's weird. Yeah, because, but as Apple evolves or changes or however you want to look at it from a essentially a hardware company with that has a operating system very mobile and and uh pc and everything to a content company it does sort of cloud a lot of their you know leverage and offerings and things like that you know like you you said well yeah because before i mean if you look at i mean none of this is going to change but they're kind of backed into a corner i mean this isn't rocket science but you think all right so we're a we are a computer we make computers and phones so yeah sure netflix content streamer you can have an app on our computers and phones because that makes our computer and phones a better experience for people Mm -hmm. Uh, but the minute you now are producing content that becomes a much more complicated relationship across all and that and then that you can make that argument across 10 different entities right so it's really interesting i can see why the stock would fall because 
not necessarily that it's a bad thing for Apple, but it definitely confuses their model across the entire tons of different things they do. Um, it makes relationships different. And so I can see that it would fall just out of confusion. Okay, we want to wait to see where this goes, you know, halt the growth, et cetera. Let's get out of this. I, yeah. don't, I don't trust this. This is not what they do. Um, it may recover and level, level out, or it's not, it's not going to sink Apple. I mean, this they have so much cash. And I right. don't mean like revenue, just like literally cash in the bank that they've just been profiting for years. That if this was the biggest, if every one of these shows was the worst thing ever, or somehow they couldn't get it out. This is weird thing they have now where their supply chain's weird. Or like the AirPods took forever. They announced them and then no one could get them for four months. Um, that's kind of understandable with something that's hardware. But when it's like mm-hmm. content, that's going to really piss people off when they're like, yeah, you announced this Jennifer Aniston show. Why can't I get to it yet? That was nine months ago. Why, what's the delay? Right. Uh, that will, that will, but I'm, you know. They they thought all these things out. It'd be I mean it'd be interesting to see. I, the free model is really interesting. If they do that, if that's they, just a rumor. If they did, I would think if they were going to do that, then they would make it. I mean, this could be really simple and dumb. They could be ninety steps ahead of me. But if I were going to do that, I would say, yeah, it's totally free. Awesome, Steve Carell, Jennifer Aniston show, and these nine other huge star shows that we've invested in. Jesse as a murderer or whatever, and you ha- you can only get it on the Apple TV hardware. Yeah, move a ton of that. Yeah, I, don't know. Yeah. That, I think that might. Maybe you do something like uh, it's free for a year. I think they did something with Apple Music like that, or free. You know, they did free trials like a, a pretty good deal when they when they started rolling out iCloud. I remember a lot of people were skeptical, and so they were giving away iCloud for free for a while before they started charging people for it. Um, maybe you do a year free for this. You get everybody hooked on these shows, and then you say. All right, nine ninety nine a month, or you do something where you hook them in. Yeah. All right, you have to have an Apple ID to do this, and mm-hmm. you hook them into the the ecosystem of Apple, you know, mm-hmm. or or like you said, you can only watch them on iOS devices or something like that. Yeah, um, would would is definitely a a way for them to grow their business, but I don't think they're trying to grow their business. I think they're trying to make great content, and the yeah. way to make great content is to fork over the cash. And uh, according to I've Apple's last uh, earnings report, which was January of 2019, so about two months ago from now, the company on hand has $245 billion yeah. in cash that they are ready and able sure. to spend at will. Um, and Netflix might have carrier, $40 billion the if they were very lucky. <laughs> um, yeah, no, very, very Netflix lucky. has negative money. Right. They're... they're deep and i mean that's one of the bad i mean netflix is still going to be fine and everything but they spend much more than they make i mean their model is to build a library and then make money later but mm-hmm. no apple's the richest company in the world when it comes to i mean just straight cash not what they're worth not the stock or anything just like again money in the bank and it's a bank in ireland and they don't pay any taxes on it and that's a whole other thing but they have money in the bank they can i always say i don't ever understand why they don't just go buy you know how much they can make if they want to get in the recurring revenue model? Because the thing is, the thing that scares Apple is, and you're starting to see this with mobile, is as technology gets better and you make better devices, it's hard to be in the hardware business because I you know, I have an iPhone 7 in front of me, it's great. I don't really need the 10 or the I mean, I'll, eventually I'll get it. But when the phones were worse, um, you know, you were getting them every two years. I have a MacBook Air that I'm recording this on right now. 
it's great. It's five years old. It's fine. Um, so, you know, the hardware business gets scary when technology gets better because people are only coming back to purchase. So you want to find a recurring revenue model. So content's a good way to do that. Um, I always think the ultimate con- the ultimate recurring model for them would be, because people are so addicted to their iPhones, would be tomorrow going, we have $250 billion in cash. We just bought T-Mobile or some carrier like that. Everybody gets 50 billion. a free network, yeah. Yeah, and you everyone has one year, and at that point, it's uh, every iPhone is only going to be on T-Mobile. You're going to all have to switch, and now we're going to ch- and we're going to charge a super low fee. It's going to be thirty dollars a month for your phone, but now we have recurring revenue. Um, I've always wondered why they didn't think about. I mean, I'm sure they've thought about it, but why that wouldn't mm-hmm. be appealing to them? Because I mean, I feel like you'd get like an eighty percent capture rate of people like, oh, well, the price is lower. <laughs> And now the people now they're not as worried about your iPhone lasting three or four years because they're getting fifty bucks a month out of you or whatever it is. So yeah. there's always things they're looking at like that that are different ways for them to accrue money. But throwing money at the pro- at the problem on content's a great idea, but you better have really smart, awesome people because we see that all the time where things come in really well funded. But if it's not the right smart people making the decisions on the talent and the people working. And the projects they choose, it could be a big bomb. But I think, I mean, everything looks good. So who knows? Right. And that leads us uh, right into uh, the slate of stuff for the Apple TV Plus. So if you didn't go back and watch the keynote, I suggest doing that. Um, it was very uh, cool how they did it. So the the way they did it was they had an all-black stage up there. Um, and they had like a lone spotlight on the stage. And... Um, uh, they had this one big intro video to kind of announce Apple TV Plus with a bunch of different celebrities, uh, you know, giving sound bites about it. And then the screen goes black and then you see the stage and then a spotlight goes on and it's Spielberg on stage. Right. And everybody goes nuts because they're Spielberg. And then Spielberg talks about his show. And then when he's done, it goes black again. And then the lights come back up and it's Oprah on stage. Right. And so. Uh, during the keynote, there were five or eight different times when the lights would go black and you never didn't know who was going to be on stage. So I thought that was a pretty cool way for them to announce this and kind of build the anticipation of, oh, I wonder who the next person is that's going to be up. Uh, And they brought out some pretty big celebrities. So it was a really cool uh, way, I thought, for them to to announce this. But like I said, a little bit anticlimactic at the same time. Um, So we started with Spielberg. And um, he looks like he's trying – he's – the face of this Apple a, TV plus uh, service, which is not a, a good look, a bit ironic after the Netflix, after the Netflix yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, not a great look. For him. I mean, his whole point with the Netflix stuff, which we talked about a couple weeks ago was about movies and not about television. So sure. it, it is a bit different, but yeah, to say you're against streaming and then to show up a, literally a week later at a, you know, the face of a streaming uh, service is, is a bit uh, odd for your brand, but Hey, he, he kind of does what he wants. So amazing stories. Um, he's bringing it back. And uh, this is an anthology TV series in the in the realm of um, the Twilight Zone or something like that. And it's going to tell just standalone amazing stories um, from week to week. And he's the executive producer behind that. And so that was the big first announcement. And then the lights go black. And on stage is Reese Witherspoon and Jennifer Aniston. They announced their show. Uh, coming to Apple TV Plus called The Morning Show. And this is a comedy that uh, centers around the world of morning television, 
like uh, Good Morning America, The Today Show, those kinds of shows. Um, so they're, they're uh, giving their pitch, and then Steve Carell walks on stage behind them. Everyone goes nuts again. Steve Carell announces he's on the show too. So it's the three of them, The Morning Show, and that show will premiere on Apple TV Plus this fall, uh, we think. Uh, lights go dark again, and then we see Jason Momoa. Jason Momoa on stage oh, so announces jacked. his series that he's starring in. It's called C S E E, and this is a post-apocalyptic like science fiction show that um, basically a disease wipes out the world and everybody becomes blind. But there's like a million people left on the world, but everybody's blind, and so that's the premise of the show. It's it's basically Apple TV Plus's manifest. If we want to put it in terms that everybody can understand, you know. <laughs> yeah, we get, and I, and I do. <laughs> um, lights go dark again. Kumail Nanjiani on stage. He announces a project that he's producing with Apple for Apple TV Plus called Little America, and this is in the similar to Amazing Stories. These are going to be standalone stories of um, people around America, immigrants around America, starring in different stories week to week, and so it highlights kind of the smaller. Um, less focused on stories that you wouldn't normally see on TV. Um, and that's produced by Kumail Nanjiani, and that's premiering this fall. It's called Little America. Um, Lights Went Dark Again, Big Bird is on stage now, announcing Sesame, Sesame Workshop is uh, producing an original show for this service called Helpsters, uh, Helping Monsters, or they're monsters who help people. Um, this is a preschool age show, and it's going to help kids teach others how to do stuff such as fly kites, um, build things and specifically, and this is the Apple twist, uh, learn how to code. So they're going to teach preschoolers how to like code for iPhone and things like that from a very young age. And so, you know, obviously the kids of tomorrow will be very much more inclined to be doing these things than we will. And this is just the start of that is, you know, if I learned to code on Sesame street, I probably would be a lot smarter than I am now. (laughs) Um, and then, um, lights go dark again. Uh, they come back up. J.J. Abrams is on stage with Sarah Bareilles, and he is producing a show with Sarah Bareilles in the vein of Felicity called Little Voice, and it's a semi-autobiographical look at Sarah Bareilles' life, career, rise to becoming a super um, singer, star, etc. And that one is premiering this fall. She played the theme song on piano. It's it's a uh, it's going to be a pretty big hit. I have a feeling for the Sarah Bareilles, J.J. Abrams, uh, aficionados out there. Uh, a couple other shows that they they that uh, are out there that didn't really get keynote um, attention was uh, In Night Shyamalan's doing a project for this, and also Damien Chazelle doing a project for this as well. That um, ha- we don't really have any details on titles or release dates for those, but those are coming down the pipeline. So of all those, what, what kind of probably, I don't know, surprised you the most excited you the most, you know, carpool karaoke is still going to be there, obviously. So you got that. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah. That was a little <laughs> teaser. That's what they built the network. You know, oh, it's like uh, one other, I forgot built, to mention, um, Sopranos. Haley Steinfeld is doing a show called Dickinson, yeah, Dickinson where she's starring yeah. as Emily Dickinson. Um, they're doing a, a comedy. They're doing a, um, Battlestar Galactica producers are doing a show called For All Mankind, which is like a space race show. It's a science fiction show. Um, let's see what else here. 
Oprah Winfrey, like I said, is doing a couple of documentary projects for it. Uh, the peanuts are coming back and going to be on Apple TV. Um, Simon Kimberg's developing a project. He's the one who developed the X-Men, um, live action series. And there was one other that I wanted to point out here. Uh, oh yeah. Bob's burgers, uh, creators are creating a show called central park. That's an animated show. It'll be the first animated show on this. Uh, Brie Larson's doing a, a CIA drama on this as well. And Richard Gere starring in a show called bastards, that's from the people that brought us Homeland and Law and Order SVU. So they're hitting all the demographics with yeah. this um, this service. So what stuck out to you? What are you excited for? Um, yeah, the breadth of things seemed really interesting. Mm-hmm. It's a really wide swath of things that they really, I think, really focused on what kind of projects uh, would appeal to the widest swath of audience. I, you guys know me. I mean, I'm retired from TV. Um, I love, I'm a big morning news person, so I'm going to probably watch the morning show. I love Steve Carell. I like that concept. I like that world. I fully expect for it to be terrible (laughs) just because those are the kind of things that always are because I'm excited for it. And I think it's a cool premise with cool people involved. I think it'll probably be awful. Um, but other than that, yeah, no, what's the one with, uh, with, uh, Aaron Paul and... There's one with Aaron Paul and uh, Lizzie Kaplan that looks good. That's like a oh, it's called um, kind of, oh yeah, it's called uh, Are You Sleeping? Is that what it's called? It's yeah, like, yeah, it's something like that. It's a like uh, maybe a wrongfully accused murdery show or something. I don't know. That looks that looks good. So, um, but other than that, I mean, I'm just kind of open to any of it. Anything that kind of gets some buzz, I, I may check in on. But I. Mm-hmm. There's so much stuff, man. There's I would say so stuff. there'll be 90 new Netflix shows by the time any of these debuts. So that's true. That's true. Yeah, I bet the morning show one probably gets the most buzz right off the top, just because of the totally star the power, people, yeah, star power. And Reese Witherspoon's involved in like four of these, right? Yeah. Seriously, mm-hmm. like she's, she's producing kind of the, Yeah. So so big day uh, for um, for Apple. Well, I mean, could be a big day. Could be a, a really totally bad day. Um, um, another one. I, I was going to mention um, there's a Kristen Wiig project um, in development as well, and there's a Time Bandits reboot from Taika Waititi. Yeah, Taika Waititi, uh, you know. I didn't before, know that. That's awesome. But he's taking on Terry Gilliam's Time Bandits uh, from the 80s and rebooting that uh, for, t- for this Apple TV service. So that could be kind of cool, too, um, for a more adventure-style show. Okay. You know what, man? I think it's time to take a break and do what we do best and talk about us. To talk us, we are joined by a friend of the show, DJ. Hey, DJ. Richard, Kent, how's it going? Go, DJ. That's my DJ. Yeah, uh, it's going a, great. If I had a dollar for every time. I know. I bet you've never heard that. <laughs> Lil Wayne. <laughs> Lil Wayne for the little kids out there. Um, cash money, millionaires. Um, we're going to get to know DJ and, and uh, his sensibilities before we uh, talk about Jordan Peele's Us. And... What we have to do is ask you your thoughts on Now You See Me, and you've got uh, 45 seconds to wrap it up. Um, 
If you're oh. going to summarize your thoughts. Well, I mean, I was expecting three hours, but 40. We've done three hours on Now You See Me already. <laughs> so I've never seen Now You See Me, but I watched a, a YouTube video that kind of condensed it and explained it. And that was even mm. just that. I was like, I don't know what the hell is going on in this movie. <laughs> So, would you uh why would you do that that's that video was probably twice as long as the movie so, explain and, it. I, and i only did that because listening to you guys' podcast as often as i do i was like you know what i wanted to be in on the joke when i hear them talk about it so i watched it i was like well that, that was a rough four minutes of my life side uh idea for you we actually did a, a commentary track and this is no joke to now you see me you can sync it up with our commentary as you watch it. And that's available on the podcast feed, I believe. If it's not, it's on our website. You'll have to search for that on our website. But we did do that, and so you can listen to our commentary as you watch the movie. And uh, it was well, a glorious time. So I, I hope I can make up for it by I am the guy who saw MacGruber in theaters twice. Wow. Oh, man. Well, there's two of us, my friend, but no, there is, that is a small community. <laughs> so if you want that, I can go on all day about MacGruber now. Well, Richard somehow mysteriously lost both ticket stubs. I don't. Oh, yeah. I have. I do have. Uh, I have uh, witnesses, but I've uh, broken up with them. Or yeah. Something. See. Yeah. They've been exonerated from your life. Know, or the, Yeah. Whatever. They broke up with me or something. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but Eric Bonhoff, the big cat, uh, yeah. was was at one of them. So. I can at least vouch for one, but I, I saw it a second time. So well, two but. out of the three people that saw McGruber over the weekend are on the show, and I was not one of them. Yeah. Um, okay. I made you watch it back in the radio days, Kent. Yeah, brought yeah that, you brought that it into my life. life. You're very, very right about that. Um, last thing we're going to ask you, and then we're talking to us. What's your favorite movie? Favorite movie? Oh, gosh. Catch me off guard. Uh, favorite movie, if I just, off the top of my head, I will go with The Dark Knight. There you go. Cool. Yeah. Um, that's a good answer. And <laughs> let's kind of rewind a little bit and refresh our thoughts on Get Out. We talked to Get Out a few years ago when that came out. I think that one caught everybody by surprise. Um, no one really knew what to expect from Jordan Peele's directorial debut. I think more, most people were probably thinking something more along the lines of what he brought us with Keanu, which was his, their first Key and Peele kind of movie. <laughs> It was about like a, what was it, a ninja cat or like a mob cat or something was, like that? It was the, the cat was stolen from him and he was out on a vengeance to get it. Right. That's what right. it was. I've like. seen that movie too. I'd... Yeah, I saw that too. I just had <laughs> totally not thought about it once since. Um, and, and then we see the announcement for Get Out and we're like, okay, well, knowing what we know about Jordan Peele. What's this going to be? Could it be more along the lines of a scary movie? Or could it be something different? Um, I guess we'll obviously see. Well, it it was way more than that. Uh, It was the Best Picture nominee. And by most accounts, it was the Best Picture of 2017. um, It was Best Picture for, was it comedy or musical, I believe? Like Golden Globe? Right. <laughs> was that what it was? Yeah. There you go. Well, I, those don't count. I don't think about that. Yeah, I know. Um, just- it certainly was a worthy of of any award that it did win, as well as him winning the Oscar, Jordan, for Best Original Screenplay um, at the Academy Awards. So um, 
this was probably the most anticipated movie of the year for me. Um, probably wasn't my number one most anticipated, but um, in terms of sophomore uh, mm. slump, I don't think there was a director this year that has more at stake than him with this movie. Um, and from my experience, uh, or in general thoughts now, we're saving spoilers. Um, I had more fun with this than I did with get out on the opening weekend. Um, it was way more of a ride than get out was for me. It was way more of a, an experience. It was way more. Um, I was looking around every corner rather than, it was a way less of a psychological experiment. And I know it, that's all on purpose. It's a different kind of film, but I liked that more than the psychological um, way that he went about Get Out. And it took me way longer to process Get Out than it took me to process this. Um, not to say that that's a bad thing, but uh, it's just different. And um, was this what I expected? Uh, probably. Um, was it everything that I wanted it to be? Absolutely. Um, is it as good as Get Out? I don't know. I'm not going to sit here and say it is better or worse. Um, they're both solid. They're different, of course. They're similar, of course. But uh, they're definitely, they stand on their own, and they should be kind of compared to each other only for the reasons that they're made by the same guy. Um, having said that, um, I want to pass things off to you guys for general thoughts. Um, Richard. You just got out of this um, an hour ago or so. What are your initial thoughts on us? Oh, you know, a movie like this with that kind of, we'll get into spoilers, you know, with that kind of ending and everything is, mm -hmm. uh, is um, I'm still in the, I hate coming on straight after something. Cause uh, my you're mind's afraid still you'll be I'm, like, you're too psyched or whatever. You can't yeah, come down from or, it. Yeah. Yeah. And I haven't really processed it right. or thought about it or, you know, read any criticism on it that would maybe think, maybe think about it in a different way. Uh, but man, what that was a that was an awesome, awesome movie, and uh, he's 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 something special. And just I thought this one was um, so much more cinematic than yeah. Get Out. Just like technically, you know, it's definitely someone who who knows what they're doing more. Uh, Get Out's a, a real masterpiece of a movie, and so I'm not I I don't know if this will end up being better, but it's definitely you know it's like when you it's 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 like music, you know, someone releases their first album and. The songs are so great, but maybe the production value is like mediocre, and then the second album it just sounds so cool because they're in a bigger, better studio and everything. This is right. kind of like that, but uh, the songs are still great in this. I mean, this is still a really cool story with some great performances, um, especially Lupita Long is fantastic in this. And uh, yeah, I don't know why he keeps pushing these out in the spring, but I, I dig it because it gives us something uh, to enjoy this time of year when we get, when we get so little for a while other than until summer really gets rocking. So that's it out of me until we get a little more into specifics, but, uh, DJ, uh, DJ jazzy DJ is what I call him. And, uh, <laughs> let's, uh, let's hear your thoughts. So, yeah, I remember, uh, when I first saw the preview with the music, I got five on it playing and with the strings, I, I mean, just the preview alone, I had the instant chills. You know, just like, holy S. And I tried to avoid all other previews that came out, all other things talked about it, so that way, potentially, things can get spoiled. Exactly. Yeah, I still uh -oh. get the chills hearing that now. So I, I just wanted to avoid all that, because, like, you know what? I just want to go into it not knowing anything, not trying to outsmart this movie before I see it. And, uh, 
So I remember uh, right before I saw the movie on Friday, I remember I was anxious, just kind of like, because I didn't know what to expect. I was going to be some, uh, he's Jordan Peele said it was a horror movie. And then, you know, it's funny. I got to the theater and I watched the movie. So overall, I will say I did enjoy it. I thought it was a great movie. It is kind of, I don't want to compare it to Get Out because it's, you know, besides the director being the same, it was kind of different movies in a sense. But, uh, you know, I, I will say I just, my best way to talk about how I feel about it was after the movie ended, everything, credits were rolling. I had a physical reaction to people walking by me in the theaters. That was just so creeped out and on edge after watching that movie. So I liked it. I enjoyed it. I know there's a few plot holes here and there, but besides that, I had a great time with it. Yeah. Um, he certainly is an impressive director, man. Um, it, to me, it's so impressive for these guys to come in and just have such a, a natural rhythm of things right from the start. You know, a lot of this, takes tenure to kind of build up your chops as a director and find your voice and style. And it's, it's really rare for somebody to understand the audience like they do, like Jordan Peele does. And granted, he's not an Reminds amateur. kind of Tarantino in the nineties. Right. All of a sudden this guy is it's, so skilled so early. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, you know, granted Jordan Peele has been doing comedy for his whole life at a high level and, you know, mass produced, um, in studios and things like that. So he's, been in kind of the Hollywood uh, system for a long time, but you know, you know, to reference Tarantino, like you just did, Richard Tarantino built up such a encyclopedic knowledge of film before he made his first movie to where, you know, he would have all these chops down. Like every scene was, it was essentially uh, referencing some scene or some place in his mind that he had seen before. Um, but yeah, his respect for film is incredible. Uh, the, the amount of references that he puts in mm-hmm. the movies, the yeah, amount of homages funny. he puts in. Um, it, it, this movie, you, you touched on how cinematic it was, Richard. I was blown away at how good this movie looked on almost every level, how Same. the color was just fantastic. Yeah, uh, that, those reds, the, man. the outdoor, like horror movies during the day have such an ethereal quality and it can't be explained. Like, Really, I mean, think about The Shining, and you know, the only real scene in The Shining that takes place at night is kind of the climactic scene in the hedge maze. Everything else is during the day, and how how different that kind of makes it feel walking around a hotel with all the lights on, you know. But it's still kind of creepy. Um, he understands iconography in film probably more than any young filmmaker. Maybe Damien Chazelle, you could put in that category about what makes an iconic image on a screen. Um, for example, just the, the use of the red jumpsuits with the glove and the scissors, you know, just those, the combination of those three things, the, the, the way the colors complement each other, the way they, um, look on screen and the functionality of the in that they have in the screenplay is significant as well. And it's not just there to be flashy and to look at, it does actually have an, uh, an explanation and a meaning. So I appreciate that. And, um, a big thing that I learned about Jordan Peele and kind of after seeing this film and, and going back and, and reading on him and listening to some interviews with him and we'll play some cuts of him talking about this film in here in a little bit, but um, is the main thing that he goes into when, when making a movie is that assuming the audience is smart, 
And how much of a difference that makes is so significant, in my opinion, to not treat everybody like they're the mainstream blockbuster crowd and to make intellectually, but yet entertaining films. Like there's a stigma out there that a movie can either be entertaining or intellectual. I don't see why you can't have both. And he has applied intellectual filmmaking to horror, you know, and suspense driven horror, which hasn't really been popular since, you know, mid seventies at the latest um, in Hollywood. And there's a new wave because of him, uh, because of his take on it. And it's so fresh. Um, it's responded to not just a, a, a small group of people, you know, you would think that these types of movies would play to such a small crowd, but yeah. he's been able to hit such a wide audience with this. It's been so amazing to see. Um, I, I was looking last week about this time and it said like variety put out a report that said us is on track for a 35 plus million debut. And I was like, okay, that's really good. Uh, you know, anything over 25 million, I'd be surprised at or happy with for a horror movie, right? An R rated horror movie. Um, and then it looked like Friday hit and it made like 10 million on just Thursday night, like in three showings, um, around America and they adjusted the number and they said, Oh, well, it's, it looks like it's going to be closer to 45 to 55 million on Friday night. And then they kept having to readjust the number and then it ended up Monday morning. The final number was 71 point something million. So the word got out really fast. The word spread and this movie caught like wildfire, no pun intended, and really resonated. And so I think that's what's kind of most impressive. It's not, it's not, I, I guess, as hard to repeat success as it is to resonate on such a mass level twice. You know, um, I think he could have repeated Get Out, what Get Out was cinematically, but I don't know if he could repeat the cultural relevance of Get Out. And he seems to have done that with this movie already. And that's really amazing. So I'm just happy to see a guy that not only knows how to make movies, but also has something to say while making them too. Uh, they're not just entertaining. They also, you know, create such a stimulating conversation around them. And, uh, and I'm, I'm really happy about, about that. I'm really excited about Jordan Peele. If you can't tell, um, you know, like get out to test, man. I mean, <laughs> how many directors go out and make one movie that's great and never make another one? Or if they do, it sucks, you know? Um, this was a huge test for him. And to me, he passed with fine colors. Um, but I want to talk more about the plot of this. And what, what, I guess we should probably get into spoilers now, right? Yeah. I want to dive a little bit deeper. Yeah. All right, yeah. spoilers coming up for us. If you have not seen this, we do suggest... Um, pausing it or turning this off until you've seen it. So spoilers from now on. Um, okay. Where did your mind start to go when you figured out what the plot was of this, Richard? Like when these, the doubles started appearing, did you start in your mind trying to piece things together? Yeah. I mean, you always go in with something like this, you know, especially the way he does horror with the, the, you know, the twist and he's kind of of that Hitchcockian um, school. So you, you kind of go in with that on the back of your brain you go, okay, as soon as, cause I didn't know hardly anything about this other than that trailer. So once I saw, uh, you know, once the setup cards go and you, you immediately start going into sleuth 
world and you, you, you know, what, what's the twist on this going to be? So it was pretty early on. Um, I started trying to solve it. Yeah. For me, I, I wasn't even sure if there was going to be a twist at all. Um, because for me, I think the total premise of the doppelganger thing and just Lupita Nyong'o's character Adelaide has this experience and then it's her overcoming this experience and, you know, I guess finishing that unfinished part of her childhood with a vengeance. And that's the story to me. That's a still a badass movie, right? Um, with no twist or anything or with no explanation involved. I think this works as a movie cinematically. I think it, it, you know, the, this, the image of her running down the, the hallway with a like bloodied shirt and like the fire <laughs> pricker thing from the, from the fireplace, you know, is, is already kind of one of the great, uh, feminine heroine pictures in horror, right. Already. Um, and so I think from that level, I think it works, but you know, so I wasn't necessarily looking for a twist because I think it works regardless of a twist, but you guys know me. I live for twists. I mean, that's that's why I go to the movies is to be blown away by the last moment of a movie. And, you know, a movie can be saved by a twist. I really, truly believe that, a good one. Um, this one had a good one, and it had uh, numerous good ones, depending on your perspective of it. But um, I, I kind of want to talk a little bit about um, – the central idea for the movie that I reference, and I want to hear a little bit of what Jordan Peele had to say about uh, kind of his inspiration for the movie uh, Us uh, on Mad About Movies. Boom. The first thing I, I do um, when I'm, I'm trying to come up with a movie is I, I listen to my myself. So listen to my emotion, what makes me scared. You know, this idea of the doppelganger came up uh, because I, I've I've been afraid of the idea of seeing myself since I was younger. So what do you mean by that, seeing yourself? Like, Well, I, I would literally picture myself across the subway platform um, as a kid, you know, growing up in, in New York City. And, and um, it was a fun, sort of titillating fear, but it was just like, it was primal. And, right. and I didn't, I hadn't intellectualized it or I hadn't really thought about it, but it's, it's sort of always been present. And yeah. the idea of like yourself's Giving you you a knowing smile, sort of indicating I'm I'm the version that was ready for this, you know. There's uh, something chilling about that. So I wanted to make a doppelganger story, and and the idea of a family of doppelgangers. When I got that idea, when I got that spark, I, I knew it would be kind of a new direction in, in doppelganger um, lore, mm -hmm. right? And then only in analyzing this and why this was coming up do I sort of get at this idea of because collectively we have a dark side. So for me, the scene that gave me chills was the doppelgangers show up at the house and, you know, the little boy comes in and says, there's a family in our driveway. And uh, it's a classic home invasion type sequence. Um, John Carpenter you know, Wes Craven type sequence. Um, there were several different types of horror sequences in this. It didn't necessarily play on the jump scare or the um, psychological thrills uh, necessarily the entire time. It, it threw a lot at you from that perspective with some gore mixed in there. Um, so that was cool to see. 
but I just love the homage too. Um, I mentioned um, his homage to other filmmakers. Did you guys notice the um, the beach sequence where the little boy is going back to the carnival area was, and he's wearing the actual Jaws shirt, and then it's cut exactly like the Jaws scene where he's looking for his kid uh, yeah. when he knows there's shark attacks, right? For um, sure. I got that entire thing. Say what, Richard? No, I'm not great at catching that sort of thing, but I that one was that one was great. I caught that one and uh, and loved it. Thought it was a really cool taste, and that that's what yeah, like you said, Brian. I'm pardon Ken. Uh, the, uh, the the way light is used in this, on the kind of in using other types of things that you know scare you, like Jaws, for example, in the light mm. of day is 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 really a cool cool use of this because it's a lot of I think a lot of filmmakers make this totally at night, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, the stuff that works at night, that's at night works well. The opening sequence um, within the carnival in Adelaide going into the carnival house is at night, and it works well. Um, I love how Jordan Peele plays with the audience's assumption of that everything is okay, like how typical movies are structured. Um we're in spoilers again. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to specify again. We are in spoilers. When Adelaide goes first into the carnival house, the beginning, when she wins the t-shirt, walks into the carnival house away from her parents, drops the apple, walks in, um, she sees her double. We hear a scream. They cut immediately to the car, present day, right? Um, you know, the audience assumes everything's fine, right? Because we've seen that type of thing happen so much that you don't even really necessarily think about it twice, until you have to think about it twice until it comes back up later. But I liked how something as simple as that can be used against the audience. Um, just the conventions that we've were so, I mean, it, it's like he's throwing, using cliches as the twist, you know, it's like, um, it's, it's more than just a plot twist. It's like, a he's using Hollywood conventions against us now in in a great way too. It, it, it really works on, on those levels too, but I like the scene as well. They're doing it's five on, uh, I've got five on it and bringing that whole thing back. You mentioned the song from the trailer DJ. Um, is there any specific meaning behind that song? Um, here's what Jordan Peele had to say regarding the choice of using, I got five on it in us. The song was kind of a few things, you know, I think if you're sort of hunting for the, the different layer message with the song, um, you know, you, you might be hunting for a while. It's <laughs> a, a big part of it is. You know, I, I needed something that kind of, I needed like what 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 Redbone brought to get out. I needed something that did that, but was also a, a Bay Area throwback. You gotta have awkward bonding with kids in these movies. Um, <laughs> to me, and kind of the research that I've I've gone back and done regarding uh, seeing this uh, or, or regarding that sequence is that's that's the biggest clue of the twist is kind of in that sequence of when they're in the car. And 
uh, Adelaide or Lupita and her son trying to kind of bond over the song and looking at each other kind of weird, you know? Um, I didn't get that at the time, but now that I, now that I know the twist, I'm kind of, I feel dumb for not seeing that during that. Um, I don't know if you guys felt that way. I think I didn't, I think the funniest, I, mean, I think the one thing this movie is going to give us longer than anything is people dissecting their references or the Easter eggs. Yeah. I read the, this one thing. Somebody said that the song, I got five on it and it mentions Eddie Murphy uh, in the song. And they say that, uh, well, Eddie Murphy's known for playing multiple roles in his movies. So that's a reference <laughs> to the. I, I, it's just so amazing. Oh, well, know? that's what Jordan was saying. Is like, don't look too going. far into it. He said it, and, it's more about the and, creepy aspect, and I I buy that. I mean, it does have that creepy um, horror element to it, and not to mention my favorite sequence in the movie, which I haven't really seen anyone mention, is the Tim Heidecker murder sequence set to oh. "Good Vibrations." Uh, I thought that was. <laughs> a really cool use of pop music and horror at the same time. And, you know, using the theremin sound from good vibrations has a creepy element to it as well. But I thought that was a cool choice, but, but yeah, I think well, that's that what, what they brought back. back. Uh, you know, but we mentioned Quentin Tarantino, you know, a little while ago and, you know, you kind of get these pop songs or these kind of songs that really seem out of left field. And it really like, that and that thing for me, that's gonna be one of the scenes I'm gonna remember the most just because oh that's the Beach Boys, you know, to a a, a murder scene essentially. So Yeah. You know, I I felt the same way when and then, you know, the next song I think it was NWA came on after that. So I mean it really just kind of, you know, your poppy surf music and then to your, you know, NWA music right afterwards. Yeah, absolutely. Um Something Jordan Peele has given us as well in his first two films is great opening title sequences. This one was really great too, with just the slow reveal of the rabbits in the cages, um, set to the really creepy um, choir song. Uh, this choir song. So when when stuff like this plays, it it throws off my subversions or expectations so much that it's like. Am I, am I supposed to look into the voices, you know? Am I supposed to look into the actual singing as significant, you know? Like, so many things that he throws into his movies, um, I don't know whether it's actually worth looking into or if it's if it's meant to throw us off in a different direction, which um, which I enjoy. I totally enjoy the um, the slow reveal of the of um, of what we're supposed to know. But I well, liked that, him. That for me. I'm oh, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, see, and that that for me, the moment that zoomed in on the rabbit from the very beginning, that's you know, I I immediately my brain went to okay, what does this rabbit mean? And then when it zooms out more, there's one brown rabbit. What does that mean? And that was just me the entire movie looking all around the scenes, every little thing, like, you know, well, this is there, what is that? You know, just you're trying to find the clues and you know, you kinda you overthink it or you just kinda get into the pun intended the rabbit hole of trying to find all the hints and easter eggs that have been left for the movie so for me by the time the twist happened at the end i was kind of like oh yeah that's you know i i was completely blown away because i've been trying to you know find these clues all over throughout the whole movie that you kind of you know you're thinking so much while you're watching it 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I mean, there's, I don't, I, I, there are several different ways I could go with that, but, um, I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole. Um, let's, <laughs> let's talk, let's talk about that. Let's talk about the opening a little bit more. You know, what did you think of the opening, uh, kind of prologue titles that said, you know, there's thousands of miles of tunnels, but beneath the U S um, did you look too far into that too early either? You know, cause I knew that that was going to come back around at some point, um, as well, but I just didn't know why or how. So it was interesting for me is like, how is he going to weave this all back around at the end? And sure enough, he did. And, um, it all made sense. But at the beginning, there was a lot of pieces, puzzle pieces that didn't seem like they fit together. But, you know, I read that and then I honestly just kind of forgot about it after about five or 10 minutes. Um, but it was the, you know, the, the setup. And then at the end you have the payoff. So, I mean, it didn't really, I, I knew it was like, like you said, okay, this is going to come back later, but by the, an hour 45 later, I was kind of, then I was like, Oh yeah, that's right. At the beginning, he kind of set it up, you know? So I guess you can almost say it did kind of give away you know, the plot or the ending when you think about it by putting that at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. But there's just so much going on in this movie. I mean, at least for me, it was hard to constantly retain that in the back of my head waiting for this. And it wasn't really a spoiler. I mean, because they introduced the tunnels. I mean, I don't think it was the exact end of the movie or that was a big reveal. But um, yeah, would it, yeah. would it have felt too out of place to reveal that later? You know, if it would, you know, if it had been out of nowhere, and all of a sudden, you know, we're in this suburban neighborhood. Everything's great. Oh, we go to this little carnival. We we turn around this mirror maze, and now we're like underground. Would that have been too weird? Or did we need the frame of reference from the beginning to be like, oh, those are the tunnels that they were mentioning from the be? Oh, okay. Oh, oh, oh. You know, um, I don't know if it's, I, I, if it, I, I don't know. If, I didn't know if it was too spoilery to like, because so, for me, and we are in spoilers again. We're in spoilers for me when they started showing the rabbits and like the slow reveal of like the rabbits, I was like, okay, there's going to be a cloning element of some kind that's going to come, you know, that's, that was my first thought. I might be the only one who thought that, but to me, that kind of started making me think, okay, these people are clones now. Why or how they became clones is the question. Um, so get out. I thought did a better job of, revealing things so slowly that it's almost impossible to know what was going on until the reveal. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, this one, I guess you could see it coming a lot easier and it was a lot less of a stretch once the reveal happens. Like, Oh, okay. Well they're clones and they live underground. Okay, fine. You know, they've been put there by the government, government experiment. We see these, you know, kinds of twists or not twists, explanations. Um, because that's not the twist or multiple twists. Um, let's talk about the twists though. Did you see that coming? The actual, I mean, twist number one, I'll go, we'll save twist number two to the very, very end, but twist number one of the reveal that Adelaide and red, her doppelganger were switched. And that first scene at the carnival and not, um, she didn't escape and live her normal life. And then is reliving the PTSD. She actually was switched. And, um, as a young child, do you guys see that coming? I actually was was pretty 
I was grabbed by I, I, it. I was pretty ueded uh, floored by yeah, it. I was not floored by it, yeah. but I was like, oh, I'm so dumb. I felt like an yeah. idiot because it was Same here. so good so obvious. that it was like, I don't know. And if I, had, I, I, w- I need to see this again, you know, like that's what's so great about uh, his other film too, is you really do have to see it three times to like, be sure you saw it correctly. Um, this one I think is more structured for that than, than get out was. Um, but yeah, I felt, I felt dumb for not seeing it because it was a really good twist. I mean, I guess that means it's a good twist if it's believable, but you know, I, I had that moment like, uh, you know, when somebody says like an answer the same time as you, but you're like two seconds behind them. So you think you're smart. Could you, you know, so when the twist finally came, I was like, Oh, no, quote she's gonna, you know. I got there at the same time, maybe even <laughs> before you. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> so that was, you know, for me where like, I, obviously about four seconds before she revealed, I thought I was smart and figured out the whole movie, but it, I, I was blown away. You know, when that final reveal came, you know, the real, Oh crap moment in the theater. Yeah. Um, hands across America. What did we think of that um, plot line? I thought it made for some really creepy imagery at the end with the people in red holding hands across America. Um, But the whole fact that, you know, original Adelaide wins the thriller t-shirt or whatever. And, you know, when they switch t-shirts or when they switch identities, she ends up getting the um, hands across America shirt. And using that as inspiration for this uprising, right, of the clones. Um, I liked how those seeds were planted, but I thought this the uh, this the image of and the inspiration for the uprising was was pretty unique and uh, made for a, a really cool intro at the beginning too with the throwback commercial. Um, yeah, yeah, that is that is the one part. The hands crossed America. That is the one part. It could have been cut completely out, and I would have been just fine. Um, you know, the ending scene, uh, you know, you see him stretch over the mountains. You know, after the movie ended, I kind of look back at uh, from Avengers from last year. You know, remember the ending when Thanos, when he just sits down and he's kind of overlooking the movie just ends. And that, that's kind of how I felt when you show the people standing out holding hands. It was kind of, you know, cool imagery and everything, but it just kind of. You know, a little, a little spotty landing on that one for the ending. It just didn't really. It would have been more powerful to me to end with the the sun pulling his mask down over his head, as you look at his, you know, quote unquote mom, rather than that last shot showing the everybody joining him. Oh, you mean the scale was too? It it made it a little too. Not, you know, not even the skill. Just it was just kind of like I don't know. There was just yeah. something about it. I was like, uh, I can I, see that. Yeah, that that was the only the thing about the hands across America. I mean, everything leading up to that, I can you know see that was what inspired her and it got her. Yeah. To Essentially, group, this is um one thing. This is Jordan Peele's version of the apocalypse, right? And that's how it happens. And that's kind of the last shot of the apocalypse. Like, uh, you thought we won, but we didn't. Um, I, you know, the, the, the way in which he plays on, you think it's what the definition of a happy ending is so subjective too, depending on your perspective, right? (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. when you think the protagonist wins in the end, Adelaide in, in 0.2 seconds, he switches protagonist 
to antagonist and you somehow feel sympathy towards the antagonist now, like for, for getting out of that situation. Um, it's actually a really cool way to do it. And, uh, it impressed me. What did you think about the twist? Um, Richard, um, you said you were floored by, um, yeah, I was, it was that thing where I was, it got me and I was mad because it was, you immediately fly through the last <clears throat> X amount of minutes you've been in there. And you go, Oh yeah, this was very obvious and, smart but obvious and how did i not see it that you means it's perfect yeah you start perfect. to wonder uh, about all the clues beforehand and and where you like that going it's definitely going to be another uh another ticket sale right at least for uh for me a few times when sure. with all this stuff so well and you know the biggest you know for me i really felt like an idiot afterwards but my wife pointed out to me she said you know well all the other doppelgangers, you know, they were like grunting or whatever they were doing, but she was the only one that could talk. Mm-hmm. You know, at that point, I just kind of, you know, slunk down in my chair. I was like, yeah, that's pretty much, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> like most she, obvious um, one. <laughs> she was also the only one eating like healthy food, eating vegetarian food. Um, she's eating strawberries, I believe. Everybody else is eating junk food. Um, mm-hmm. She says she has a hard time talking about herself uh, a couple times. Uh, you know, we think it's more of in a figurative sense, but it might be in a literal sense of not being able to talk, right? Um, mm-hmm. The twist of, you know, it's a failed government experiment, but I kind of, I don't like the cliche of, they couldn't replicate a soul. That's where they fell through. They couldn't replicate a human soul. Uh, that's a little bit of cliche in my opinion, but, uh, that was kind of the one eye roll of the movie for me. Um, I just like the notion of for every action, there's an opposite reaction, you know, this shadow world, the upside down that you go though in stranger things, right? Um, this whole dark version of everything is, is an interesting, uh, rabbit hole to go down in horror. Um, the clues of the government conspiracy when the daughter's talking about fluoride in the water, there's a little clue there. Um, I mentioned a second twist and I guess we can go and talk about it now. Um, second twist being there's people saying that the sun is also a tethered or was switched. Um, just his connection with the mom, uh, his connection with his tethered, and so on. Did you guys see that or feel that at all? I, I didn't. I, maybe I just On viewing number went one. over my head, but yeah. I, I didn't see any additional switching that might have happened there. Um, yeah, I didn't catch that. We'll find out. We'll find out, I'm sure. Um, also, the number 11, 11, 11 on the clock, Jeremiah 11, 11 which is a more kind of apocalyptic Bible verse. Um, the ambulance number was 1111. Uh, the prize number was 11 when she picks out the Michael Jackson shirt um, and so on. So that's more just about uh, repetition and symmetry. And there's one more quote I want to play from um, Jordan Peele talking about the central theme of us and if it's more of a political statement like Get Out was and, you know, how he interprets the ending, you know, in kind of a post in a Trump uh, ruled America and all that or what what the political statement, if any, is with us. 
I didn't set out to make a movie about a post-Trump America. Right. But, you know, it's, it's not an accident that these were... My fears were surrounding this sense of, of us right. as a collective, our demons. You know, certainly I, at a certain point, decided to use, you know, United States imagery from, you know, whether it's the genocide of the Na- Native American right. people or our, our, um, our xenophobia and, um, and uh, privilege. But however you define us, you know, in order for you to have us, there's got to be a them. Right. And I think that's kind of the, in its in its core, what this movie is about is is we will value our own, however we see it, more than we'll value the other. I really liked, and and it took me probably halfway through the movie to realize the connection us and us, uh, the, the allegory there. I was like, oh, I didn't know, couldn't believe I didn't see that during the uh, trailers and all that, but. Um, that was a that was a good little uh, satire as well. Well, she even had the quote when you know when they asked uh, you know, her doppelganger, you know, who are you or what are you? We're America. Oh, oh yeah, we're America. <laughs> and that, that and by the way, that voice she did, I was my skin was crawling to the back of my chair yeah. the moment she started talking. That was. I don't know. It was like the creepy smile she did that creeped me out more. It was like a Chucky smile. You know, mixed with the voice, it was very creepy. He did a really good job of of making the doppelgangers um, work, and he he talked about that being a, an element that he didn't really anticipate making the film of having to film doppelgangers because that's a you know a camera trick kind of thing, and that just added an entirely whole new element he didn't anticipate in terms of trying to physically make the movie and having to deal with making the doppelganger thing work on screen. I thought it worked really well. Oh, uh, the performance from Elizabeth Moss and uh, mm-hmm. Tim Heidecker, I mm-hmm. believe, they're doppelganger. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I, I tell you, Elizabeth Moss could be a better Joker than Jared Leto. The moment, you know, with that well, creepy smile couldn't? and that, all that. Oh. Yeah, you could, DJ. She's a great actress. One of, our, one of the greats. <laughs> she is. Yeah, that was, uh, uh, they were entertaining. Yeah, Richard. Any uh, thoughts on on uh, on that before we hit grades? No, not nothing that you haven't already said. So we can we can grade her grade her out. Awesome. Well, this lived up to my expectations. Uh, I think this is another home run for for Jordan Peele. And you know, I hope he stays on this path. I hope he still makes original horror uh, movies from now on. Um, I'd love to see a trilogy kind of in the same vein before he does something. Uh, else, we know the Twilight Zone premieres uh, next Monday, actually, on CBS. And so more from him coming in the next few weeks. And we'll maybe have to talk about that at some point. But I'm going to grade out us at uh, at an A. Solid A. Really enjoyed it. And uh, it's going to lend itself to multiple multiple viewings. And it's easily one of the best, if not the best, original horror movie I've seen in five years, maybe. I don't know. I can't remember the last original horror movie that was this good. That wasn't some iteration of Halloween or something, you know? Uh, so, so yeah, a for me, what about you, Richard? And I'm, I'm fresh out of it. So I'm tempted to give it an a plus. Uh, but I think that's probably stupid to give anything an a plus or an F minus minus when you're fresh out. So I'm just going to, I'm going to go solid a as well. DJ, what about you? Well, three for three, I go solid a. Triple A's, and we're going to give Brian an A 
for um he he would have given it an A had he seen it, I'm sure. So four A's. Wow, that was awesome. Good job. <laughs> Congrats, Jordan. We'll send your best. Okay, let's hit uh a quick weekly recommend. Weekly recommends. All right, so uh, my weekly recommend is a book that came out a few years ago that I've just been kind of revisiting and uh, rethinking about because it's it's very common in the, our society. It's John Ronson's uh, So You Have Been Publicly Shamed. It's all about public shamings in the social media world and how the effects of that um, kind of, and you know, how people are shamed or refuse to be shamed and how that affects pretty much the zeitgeist more than anything. It's a really interesting book. Even more so uh, now, as as people uh, seem to be canceled online every you know hourly. So, uh, so you've been publicly shamed, John Ronson. Uh, Kent, what about you? I'm going to recommend a movie, a horror movie um, that I went back and rewatched this past weekend because I was in a horror movie uh, mood after seeing this on Friday. After seeing us on Friday, and went back and watched uh, They Live with Rowdy Roddy Piper. <laughs> from uh, 1988 uh, directed written nice. by John Carpenter this is a really fun campy horror movie if you haven't seen it um, it's basically a guy who puts on these magic glasses from outer space or whatever and he sees the real meaning of advertising and sees like people for who they really are like as aliens or this alien race right um and it's really interesting satire, um, kind of in the same vein as a movie like this, messaging-wise, but in a totally different style. So if you like us or Get Out or one of those, uh, check out They Live, and um, you might enjoy that as well. Um, John Carpenter's They Live. Um, check it out, 1988. It's uh, pretty old. We should have done a throwback on it last year for the end of 30 years, but uh, maybe be sometime soon. We'll do that. That's my recommend. What about you, DJ? So I'm going to make a hard right. So my recommend is if you like Bohemian Rhapsody, if you like Comedy Central's Drunk History and combine them, watch uh, The Dirt on Netflix, the Motley Crue uh, biography story. Mm -hmm. I watched it this weekend. It was bad acting, bad editing, bad everything. So... So, uh, ringing endorsement, <laughs> ringing endorsement. You know, it's just it's it's one of those movies where it's it's so bad, it's just amazingly bad. I watched it, I was upset, so I want everybody else to feel that uh, loss of time that I had this weekend. Done, done. That's funny. Yeah, it's um, they were talking about it on local radio today, and I was like, what are they talking about? And they started talking about Motley Crue. And I, I thought there was a documentary on there that had come out, but I didn't. And they started playing some audio from it, and I was like, they made a made-for-TV movie about Motley Crue. I was like, I kind of need to see this. <laughs> um, it, it's, it, oh, God. just I won't spoil it for you, but just the first few minutes, you get to know what the movie's all about by this one scene at a party. I was like, well, that's what we're in for. Wow. I'm going to have to check that out. Um, <laughs> yeah. Does Duff McKagan have any cameo or anything? Uh, no. no. And that's, Come on, Duff. So Machine Gun Kelly actually plays Tommy Lee in this. Of course awesome. it does. Yes, and that is probably the uh, the biggest name I can think of. Actually, no, there's actually a few other big names, but it's just 
it's it's so embarrassing when you see the people in it. Like, oh, I feel so bad directed for you. by Jeff Tremaine. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. So that and there's a lot of Jeff Tremaine humor in it. Which, oh boy. <laughs> that, Can't wait. How about this? Watch I remember that Neil Strauss book. book. I remember that. Yeah, that I remember when that Neil Strauss book came out. That was a big book. Uh, so we'll have to see the movie. So we'll I, I mean, I'll it. say. This is the first time I've ever been able to say that the book was way better than the movie. There you I've go. I've never been able to say that, so I can say it now. There you go. Wow. All right. That's the week recommends for this week. Pete Davidson's um, in it, Kent, so you'll like it. Oh, can't <laughs> wait. Um, <laughs> we, uh, we'll be back next week. I think we're talking Shazam, maybe? Is that what's this week? Shazam? Brian, you're asking the wrong guy like I know. Yeah, I think that's yeah. right. Is it? Uh, no, it's Dumbo. Oh, so, yeah, okay. I think Shazam's the week after. Yeah, Shazam is uh, is um, the week after. So, yeah, probably Dumbo. So get ready for that. Um, can't wait. Could go either way. Um, Brian know. will be stoked. Yeah. Um, he's ridden the Dumbo ride a bunch of times. He can give some insight. <laughs> um, we will be back then. So join us in the VIP for the AMA and for our review and talk on I Love You Man. And um, until then, until next week, thanks, DJ, for joining us. And we'll see you at the cinema. Bye. See you. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling tossed salads and scrambled eggs. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe, but I got you pegs. <laughs> but I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs. Calling again. Scrambled eggs all over my face. They're making me ya ya. The salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again.